Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Neil. How about you? How was the week? Man, I'm doing the week's great, and our guest today is Matt McChesney, and I'm all excited because he's a CU Buffalo. I'm a Colorado Buffalo fan. The whole push with Dion happening now, and I, I the Buffalo's resurgence so amazing, but he also is going to talk about many different things. Matt, thanks for stopping by, former NFL player, and also played for the Broncos. So again, one of my favorite teams next to the Steelers. How are you, Matt? Man, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I love the show, and I, I'm, I should have like put a suit on. I feel underdressed. I mean, shit, you guys look good. I ain't got much to pick it up over here. All right, so let's just jump right into it. Matt. Why did you want to become an, a football player? What was your dreams of why you did that? Okay, I love that question. Uh, look, I ask this question almost every day at my academy. Six Zero Football Academy here in Denver. We've been open for 12 years, and I was in there this morning at 5 a.m. doing a consult with a kid who says he wants to play college football, and the first thing I asked him is, well, why do you play? And, that you know, I, know, I didn't know you were going to ask me this question, but I got an answer. Um I didn't get to play until I was in high school. So my pops didn't let me play until I was a freshman in high school. So <clears throat> when I figured out, and it was early, I was big, strong, and fast, and I really loved it. And I think my pops did it on purpose, like wouldn't let me play because he knew it just pissed me off. And when I got to high school and I figured out that I could tape up these, and these are weapons, these are not mitts, these are weapons. When I could tape these, and I would get to go to school for free and potentially play in the NFL and live my dreams and then have, have football set me up for the rest of my life. I was in. I'm a thousand percent in. And I, I love the physicality of football. I love the fact that I can make eye contact with somebody, uh, even through the shield and through the glasses, and know that I got a beat when they look at the ground. I, I think that it's one of, you know, an alpha's male's last refuge where you can actually go be the animal you are, even if it is for just three hours a day. So I love the game, man. I, my life has been dedicated to it. And that's a great damn question, bro. Like, why, <laughs> why play football? Because I get to eviscerate people. That's why, brother. All right. Go, Greg. Greg's going to ask him really interesting questions because Greg comes up, pulls some out-of-the-box questions. Go, Greg. I was going to ask you what motivated you when you played football, but I think you made that pretty clear, uh, you know, in in your first answer, uh, which is for sure. Um, what do you miss playing about football now besides being able to be an animal for three hours? Um, the camaraderie, you know, and I, I try and replicate that at the facility and with the with six-year equipment too. It's all big family atmosphere, but – the locker room, the boys, you know, that you, you can't get that back. Once once it's gone, it's gone. So that that's a big part of it. But pregame, I mean, I, I, I look, I, I don't know how pe there's some people out there that just don't like music, and I'm not one of them. So the pregame for me was always, you know, it's just you and your tunes and getting ready to go to battle. And the pregame is just it gives me goosebumps thinking about it right now man it's it's something that is it's impossible to replicate there's no other feeling like it you know the <clears throat> the national anthem like my senior year we played at Kyle Field uh in 04 uh, against AM and before the game like you know first president bush flipped the coin and they ran they flew two B52s like opposite each other that broke opposite wow. each other the fucking place is shaking the shit <laughs> falling off of the troughs like it was insane and then 
you know, to have that happen again in the NFL multiple times, like to be on the sideline with the Jets opening day in Kansas City and here and the home of the Chiefs. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit, I didn't know they were going to do that. So pregame is unlike anything. It's it's There's other sports that have good pregame rituals, but nothing like football. And whether you're a fan or a media member or a player or a coach, it's a different experience for all of us. And I mean, that that shit got me going, bro. Gets me going now. I'm about to jump through the phone and tie that tie. <laughs> see, see I, 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 I like that. I love his energy, uh, Greg. Uh, you know, when you talk about being an undrafted free agent and yep. you went through the NFL Europe, so it was a different route. And yep. that, again, I think teaches what you work with kids today is it's not an easy process. Even though you played Division One college football for a great college football team, it doesn't guarantee you you're going to go right to the NFL. And I think you're telling, teaching these kids that. Tell us that journey. Yeah, so, you know, my journey was crazy. I, you know, I, play, I was the first commander of my class at CU in 2000 and helped Coach Barnett bring in a really good class. And in 04, when I was a senior, uh, there was a huge scandal at CU with, like, Katie Nida and, like, female kicker, and Coach Barnett got suspended, and none of us got invited to the combine. Nobody got drafted. Like, they, it was a black ball year, essentially, right? And, like, as a senior, when you have 60 tackles and seven sacks of three technique, that's draftable. Like, that's 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 top in the country stuff. So that motivated me and pissed me off proper. And then, you know, the hardships of this game and overcoming them is kind of really the point of it. Um, going undrafted put me in a situation in St. Louis where – I walked in, but they didn't draft any defensive linemen. So I'm an undrafted player, but I'm like the draft pick in the room. So I had worked myself into this too deep only to come home. The breaks are different now, but back in the day, you know, St. Louis, the Rams were in a place called Earth City, and we would get five days off so or five weeks. So after OTAs and training camp and before the buildup, you get five weeks to go home. So I came back out here. I'm from here. My parents – uh, we own a huge piece of property up in Boulder called Triple Creek Ranch. And I got West Nile virus two days before I was supposed to to get back to camp. And I like they found me on the floor in convulsions. I was in the hospital. They cut me by mail like, hey, you can't come to camp, even though I'm like in the hospital on a ventilator. They didn't even call me. So that was my first indication of what the NFL really is. When I got picked back up by the Jets like week six, I was so goddamn motivated and so <laughs> like emotional about it because I was being told by everybody to stop playing, go get a real job. And I'm not a real job type. So I put all my eggs in this basket and I was determined to make it work. You know, like going to the Jets and then being asked to change positions after my second training camp, having Tannenbaum and Bill Callahan and Eric Mangini sit me down and say, do you want a job or do you want to play nose tackle? And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, you're a guard. And I'm like, cool. And they're like, you don't need to talk to your agent. And I'm like, what, is he going to play guard? What What am I going to talk to him about? So I want a job. You told me I have to play guard. That's what we're doing. So I, I got the opportunity to play both ways in the National Football League, which gave me my master's degree in football, which makes me an incredibly good coach and developer of talent because of I was average. I was just an average player. I got hurt a lot. It, it wasn't the NFL was not really a dream. It could have been a nightmare, but I turned it into Alice Wonderland, bro. Like it's it's how you look at it. So it, all all the adversity and the injuries, going to Europe, 
that was incredible, by the way. All the Frankfurt games, great idea, NFL, you like money. Um, it, it all taught me how to, you know, really ground myself, get rid of pride and ego, coach hard, use the knowledge that I have to help the next generation. And it's worked, man. And in 12 years at uh, Six Zero Football Academy, we put 500 guys into school, countless NFL players from Ryan Jensen to McGovern to Austin Slotman and Billy Turner and, you know, Quinn Bailey, just offensive and Mike Pinnell, Chad Muma, guys all over the board, all over the NFL. And the one consistent with all of them is they're all great players and they're all NFL guys and college football players. But the little dash of madness that I can throw in there from six zero, I'd like to think that that, that helps all of them. So you know, long, long answer to a short question. Um, it, it's been pretty interesting to say the least. Yeah, very cool. So, Matt, a uh, couple of questions back to back, kind of all blend together. Um, one was the, the year that you stopped playing, and then which business did you start first, and what made you pick that one? All right. So, I stopped playing in 2010. I retired in, in, in 10 after an off the field injury that was that, that was terrible. So I broke my leg for like the sixth time and it was just, I had injury waivers and it was just time. Um, I started six year old football Academy about a year later after I went back to school and got my degree. And it was, you know, my, I was sitting there one day with my pops who's passed now. And he was like, why don't you go after the high school kids and help them rather than trying to focus your business around professionals and college football players. And I sure am glad that we did that route because there's nothing harder than trying to convince a college kid who thinks he's in the NFL or an NFL guy who thinks that it doesn't stand for not for long that they need to work harder. But a high school kid who's hungry for the opportunity and will actually get up in the morning and go earn it and invest, that is, that's pure power right there. So that's the future in your hands. And if you mold it correctly, you get, you know, some badasses that are out there all over college football doing, doing their thing. So we, you know, we've been doing that for 12 going on 13 years and we put about 500 kids in college. And then about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was trying to do it before COVID, but it just didn't work out. We started six zero equipment and six zero equipment.com. It's a blocking shield. And I'll actually, when we get done, I'll send you guys a bunch of stuff on it and videos. You can go on Twitter at six zero equipment on Instagram at six zero equipment and see what it is. But it's like, look in football, all the big guys use these like little triangle shields that I don't know any offensive and defensive linemen that are that small. So I came up with the idea that this blocking bag is probably five times the size of that. It's really hard to get off the ground from a leverage perspective. You can double team it, pass rush it. So it's called the six zero body bag because that's where I want to put our opponents in a body bag. So we dig the trench with that at six zero equipment.com. And look, I, I just, my entire life I've, I've had a problem with sitting back and waiting and being patient. So that's good for an entrepreneur because I don't have time to waste. So when I got out of the NFL, I decided to use the gift that I had of knowledge and knowing both sides of the ball, being able to coach and wanting to be in it still, but just physically not being able to. Um, and it, it's worked out pretty great, man. So on top of six year Academy and six year equipment, the you know zero to 60 podcast has taken off and, I'm just I'm I'm very blessed and very lucky to uh be able to, you know, take the gift of football and give it. Right. 
Now, Greg has a question he asks every one of our celebrity guests. And Greg, go ahead with the question. I do, I do, but I want to ask him one more, one more okay. before I do that, Neil. It, you know, Matt, what what are the one, three, five things, whatever it is that you do every day consistently that you call it your morning routine, your your afternoon routine, whatever it is that you know makes you know McChesney McChesney, you know, to drive yourself and keep yourself going and and being at peak performance as you are. Uh, well, number one, I I stay away from the negative influences of life. I haven't had a drink in 15 years. I don't, you know, there's no drugs. There's, it's a very clean, sober house. Um, and, I, you know, my 13-year-old son, Nick, is an eighth grader. He's 6'3", 260. We're at the gym every day at 5 a.m. Because he wants to be. I'm not pushing him. He walked up to me and said, Dad, I want to do this. Can you get me a scholarship, too? And I was like, shit, yeah, I can get you a scholarship. Let's go to work. So... You know, on top of just being, you know, clean and and happy about it, um, I, I'm a 4 a.m. riser, bro, like every day. Like You might get me to sleep till 6 on a Sunday, maybe, but we're at the gym at 7. So I make a point, and it's not every day. I'd say if there's 365, 363, I'm out of bed at 4 a.m. That's really my thing is. I started my career in New York and at 6 a.m. in New York when they're getting out of bed and that Wall Street bell's ringing, well, it's 4 a.m. here and ain't nobody getting two hours jump on me. So I want to make sure that I'm up and at them when people are up and at them. And I, it, it's something that I really pride myself on because I know people say that they get out of bed every day, you know, ready to go, but I, I really do. So that I'd say that that's the main thing. And then something simple like, do you make your bed every day? Like it's really simple things like that. It, it just, it teaches consistency on a level that, you know, if you did it, if you do it when you're 15, you'll do it when you're 45. So, you know, it's a little like kind of corny things, but I really think that those things go a really long way in helping you kind of figure out how to take the more big complex things and do the same exact thing with them and not overthink the process. Got it. Neil, did you have another one? Are you ready for me to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go with the your your big question. All right. Go ahead. All right, Matt. This has been a real honor and a, a privilege to speak with you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You I'm going to ask you a question for myself. I ask this of every celeb that we have, and uh, you know, NFL athlete and so on. Um, it's for myself, but also for my listeners. You know, Matt, what would you say is the most important thing in life that you've ever learned? Uh, that forgiveness is for you. That's the most important thing I've ever learned. That the anger and animal that I carried around for from 13, 14 years old to 30 years old, it helped me, but it also hurt me. So when I figured out, you know, post NFL, post, you know, football, that holding grudges and vindiction and things of that nature, that doesn't affect the other person. That affects you. And if I could give any advice to, to people out there, everyone, it's that forgiveness is for you. The bigger man is the way to go. Pride and ego as a man, especially, will take you down a fucking road that you can't recover from a lot of the times. So letting go of of things that hold you down even though 
you know, you're in control of it. So, you know, if, if somebody did you wrong and you carry that around for 10 years, do you actually think the person that did you wrong is carrying that shit around? No, they're not even thinking about it. They don't even know that you don't like them. So if I could give advice to anybody out there, anyone listening, anybody watching this, just it's okay to say I was wrong to ask for forgiveness and to give it uh, and, and actually mean it and then forgive yourself and move forward and understand that usually your biggest enemy is the voice in your head. So that I guess that would be the, the man that I've learned in my 42. Awesome. Thank you. Now, Matt, last question. What do you yeah. think of the rise of the Colorado Buffaloes? Are, are you been going to some games and been, uh, oh, yeah, what's happening? Like the whole just media rise of with Dion and everything with the Buffaloes. What are your thoughts? Well, look, sitting at four and five is not where we wanted to be. That Stanford loss hurt. But all things considered, being up there last year and talking to a 